We've got another episode free of any coronavirus talk for you today, all recorded before any of this came down. So uh, enjoy the lack of coronavirus. Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. If You Market is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. And uh, I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. We are joined by our lovely co-host, Carla Jo Helms. Hi, guys. And uh, today we'll be talking with uh, Jen Spencer of SmartBug Media about sales enablement. As the Vice President of Sales and Marketing, Jen Spencer leads SalesBug's sales, marketing, and brand strategy. Over her career, Jen has built several demand generation and sales enablement programs from the ground up. Jen, really happy to have you on today and, uh, and talking about uh, sales here with us on the marketing podcast, or I guess more sales enablement. Yeah, it's the, the secret part of marketing. Marketers didn't necessarily realize they were responsible for. Love it. <laughs> They're responsible for sales, yeah. Yeah, um, very much. There are several camps on this, but I come down the camp for most organizations. I think marketing works for sales. I know it's different in some companies based on their product, based on their structure, based on who they are and what they do. Um, but I think the majority of the time, marketing's goal has to be to enable sales. So I love this topic. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to dig into it with you today. It should be great. Yeah, I have to agree with Sky on that one. I think it's all part of the intelligent promotion cycle. You know, sales is marketing. It's just a different segment of marketing. So, yeah, if you're important. awesome at marketing, quote unquote, and yet deals aren't closing, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, like you've got to go over to sales and work with them and make and make it work. I guess before we jump into sales enablement, though, Jen, let's talk about you and let's talk about SmartBug Media. You have a very non-traditional path yeah. to your position there. You got a degree in teaching and education. <laughs> And started out as a teacher. Can you can you kind of describe your path and how and who, about where you're at? Yeah, 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 sure thing. Um, yeah, teaching is is the hardest sales job I've ever had. Uh, to be honest, um, you can you can teach a you can teach a 15 year old boy why Shakespeare is important in his life. Um, I feel like you could you could sell just about anything. Wow, so um, you were a you middle school teacher. <laughs> So well, I so I, I student taught middle school. A student taught middle school. A student student taught um, seventh grade uh, language arts. But I, I taught high school English and theater arts. Um, okay. So yeah, started my career that way. Uh, to be honest, you wow. Know, I, <laughs> I I always loved. I love literature. I love writing. I originally wanted to go to school t- uh, to be a journalist. Actually, my my grand plan was to become a, a theater critic for the New York Times, right? Why not? Um, and uh, what I discovered is that really good journalists, good writers, they're, they're just good, they're, they're that, you know, they're good writers um, and they're inquisitive and they don't necessarily have a degree in journalism. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, working with, you know, fellow students in my dorm at the time and kind of coaching them on their essays and getting their content and messaging right and really picking up on the right kind of, um, the right kind of approach you need to take when you're working with, when you're writing to one teacher versus another, um, this should all be resonating as marketing and sales uh, <laughs> language. So it's very, you know, very, very similar. So, so yeah, so I, I started off uh, teaching, teaching high school and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I was successful. I was rookie of the year, my first year teaching and, wow. and it, was, it was great. Yeah, it was great. It was how student- did you teach How do you, how do you get a 15 year old boy to understand the importance of Shakespeare? It's all, it's all about reverse engineering, right? It's all about like understanding, like what's the end, what's the end goal. And then how do I make this relevant to, to you, uh, my student? Um, based off you of, sell them on like sword fights and, and murder and affairs and uh, stuff like that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to actually say it's, this is, it's very persona based because there are some students where you do have to take that approach. Um, but there are others who they do, they, they care about uh, achievement and they, they care about um, knowing, all right, there's going to be a question on the SAT or there's going to be a question in college. There's going to be some other piece of literature I'm going to be reading and I'm going to be graded on. And if I don't, and, and knowing something like Shakespeare is referenced regularly. And so the more they understand about it at a younger age, 
they're going to have a leg up against the competition as you know as they grow in their in their educational career. So did you transfer into sales and marketing because you realized in school you don't get to select the personas? <laughs> too, you have to teach them all. But in sales and in marketing, you can choose your target audience and only focus on them. So in school, if you could say, "I only want to teach Shakespeare to the nerds who love Shakespeare." And- <laughs> you know, freshmen doing a SAT prep. Um, that's kind of cheating, right? But in sales and marketing, we can do that. We can say, I just want to focus on this segment that's really going to like this message. Totally. I, I wish I could tell you that my my tr- career transition into sales and marketing was that thoughtful, but it was not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was, it was more of a, I've always, you know, I, I've historically kind of said yes to things, um, kind of gut checked and went like, Ooh, like, is this something I would regret not trying if I don't try it? And that's been kind of my litmus test, but I actually was volunteering with a nonprofit professional, uh, regional theater company, Arizona theater company. And I was volunteering as a teacher, um, helping expose students to the performing arts as part of uh, a project that was started by the late playwright, Wendy Wasserstein. And uh, I really enjoyed what I was doing with the theater company. And then they had a grant that funded a full-time position as an education sort of liaison, uh, kind of community engagement type of role. And, and, I, and I took it. I actually took a pay cut from teaching to take that job, which is crazy. Looking back on it, I don't know what I was thinking. But you took a, I didn't know there was such thing as a pay teaching. cut from teaching. I know, I know. I, was gonna say. <laughs> I know. I know it's crazy, absolutely insane, but I just, it was one of those things where I felt like it was that like, uh, Charlie, the top of the factory, Willy Wonka, golden ticket opportunity. Like you jump on it and just decided right. to jump. Um, and, uh, and I was in that role for about six, six months. Um, and, uh, and, at the, and then the marketing director, um, at the time in Phoenix specifically had said, you know, we, we've been trying to fill this PR role and we're just not, it's not happening. And we actually think you'd be really great at it. Would you be interested in, in considering it? And I told her, I have no PR or marketing experience whatsoever. And she said, well, I think you actually do. You just don't know you do. Right. Here's so, what it is. It's writing content and copy. And who said, who to said that to you, Jen? <laughs> that was, that who was, was that the, person. That was the marketing director of our Phoenix market. So, um, so we had we Arizona Theater Company performed in Tucson, Arizona, and Phoenix, Arizona. And at the time, there were okay. different marketing leaders. Um, but yeah, it was that that Phoenix marketing director who's like, I, I think I think you could do this. I think you'd be good at this. So it seemed wow. like progression. You're kind of crawling your way through these positions into areas where you can get the message out there. About I mean, you're teaching an individual class, and then you're with the theater company, and it's I mean. It, I guess I'd say your your pathway to sales and marketing seems to have come through Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> it's it's how can I get Shakespeare in front of more people? I know I'm simplifying it down or a little off on it, but uh, it sounds better this way. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I I agree. I agree. It's like looking for that. You know, what's that? What's the right platform? So, so yeah, eventually, it, you transitioned over to just full on private sector sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that yeah. transition and then and then on to where you are now where sure. you're not promoting an individual company but you're you're running you know you're at an agency that runs campaigns for for all kinds of people. Yeah. So um so when I left um when I left nonprofit it was because I was I was just really burned out. I mean it, I I was in a position by the time I left 8 years 8 years in um, I was director of sales and marketing. I was responsible for um, for you know bringing in seven million dollars um, every year. And if we didn't hit our goals, then people lost their jobs. And there were times where I'd go to bed at night and think, okay, if we don't sell like forty thousand dollars in tickets tomorrow, then we're not going to be able to make payroll on Friday. So um, so I I needed to take a break from that because it was that was very stressful. Um, but what's interesting is because I had that experience where marketing was sales and sales was marketing. And this is back in the, this is before a lot of technology. So I, you know, walk in, walk into that the building every day and wait for the Excel spreadsheet of the, like the ticket report of how many tickets we sold yesterday and needing to like change strategy with very limited resources on the fly, because if there were seats that were unsold, then that was it, right? That was like lost revenue, lost opportunity. Right, right. 
So um, took, took, you know, moved over into that, that private sector, you know, for-profit space um, and really just wanted to focus on, on marketing. And I never really considered myself a salesperson, to be, to be honest. But as it turns out, um, salespeople loved me because I didn't act like a marketer, right? I was a very revenue-driven revenue driven marketer because I wanted right. to know, all right, like we did X, Y, Z, like how many how many tickets, right? That it was not, we're not selling tickets anymore, but like how many deals did we close because right. of these efforts? And you came from a space where your efforts had to literally put asses in seats. Uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> 100%. No. So, so it just, it, it, it put me in a position where I was really able to collaborate well with, um, with sales leadership um, as a marketing leader and then made for a very easy transition uh, for me to, to to, to move into sales leadership myself. Nice. That's a, that's yeah. quite a path there. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about then? Can you tell it us seems all very logical though. I mean, it doesn't seem yeah. like the normal way, but it seems all very logical. Right. Not on paper, it looks, but... yeah. On paper, it looks kind of funky, right? You're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. What's this background? But when you kind <laughs> of like, take like each step, kind of one step at a time, it, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, so Smartbug Media, what's your role there sure. now? What do you, like? What's your day to day? And then also, I guess maybe first, what does Smartbug do? Sure thing. So Smartbug Media is an intelligent inbound marketing agency, and we're very much focused on driving revenue growth for our clients. So, like very typically, a client comes to us and says, marketing was responsible for driving 10% of revenue last year, and next year it needs to be 30%. Help us build the strategy and help us in executing the strategy because there are only so many, you know, hours in the day and I've got a small team. So, so your guys say, okay, let me get Jen, asses in seats, Spencer on the task and we'll take care of this for you. Well, actually... I am, I am not one of the smartest smart bugs at Smartbug. Uh, so I'm responsible for our own, Smartbug's own brand strategy and Smartbug's own revenue generation. But we have a team of marketing strategists who then are working with our 100 plus clients that we work with on an ongoing basis. And they're executing that, that strategy. I used to think I was pretty good at this stuff. And, and, then, I, and then I started working at Smartbug. I'm like, wow. I don't know. It sounds like you're growing your way through companies. You start, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm good at this. I can handle these kids. And then you're like, eh, I, don't, I need a bigger challenge now. I'm moving on to the next thing. So you've got just, room to grow at SmartBug. Yeah, I just look for what inspires me. So I'm very focused on, um, you know, one of my big goals at SmartBug when I joined two years ago was I had, I had hired SmartBug, full disclosure, I had hired SmartBug twice. Um, as a client. So when I was running marketing at NetTime Solutions, I hired SmartBug to build a website for me um, because SmartBug's the highest rated HubSpot agency partner and I wanted it on HubSpot CMS. Um, and then the second time at a very early stage startup, um, we, I, I, instead of building out a marketing team and hiring people, and I was running sales and marketing there, I decided I'm gonna hire SmartBug on retainer to really be my bread and butter inbound marketing. But, um, uh, but, but you know, I think it's, it's when I was there or when I, before I came to Smartbag, I always felt like, hey, this is an agency which is like the best kept secret in like the digital marketing space. And I just felt like I really, I, I was constantly evangelizing. And that's just my personality, right? When I find something I love, I want the whole world to know about it. So you were working in their marketing department before they even hired you. They just didn't, totally. you didn't know it. <laughs> oh, I was referring to referring business, like, doing Why don't I get paid for this? Yeah. I yeah. think... I, 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 I was the CEO did, you know, did send me, I, I had, there were boxes of candy and bottles of scotch and, and nice things along the way, but not officially on payroll uh, until about two years ago. See, so That's awesome. It's official and we may turn this scotch into a 1099. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we jump over uh, finally to the, uh, to the topic at hand here of sales enablement, and I think you do have uh, some kind of strict do's and don'ts for people. Here's what you mm -hmm. need to be doing for, for sales in order to help them. Um, a couple questions around Shakespeare for you. Oh, goodness. What's your favorite Shakespeare play? And is that even the right way to talk about Shakespeare? Oh. <laughs> what do you love about the bard? No, I know. I know. So, um, 
you know, the, my my feelings on Shakespeare are, it, it, it's, it's like, it's very much like in the context of how I consumed whatever, uh, whatever that the content was, or what my experience was teaching, or even like different plays I saw. And I think, if I'm being really honest with myself, I think my all-time favorite has got to be A Midsummer Night's Dream, and I don't, I don't see that changing. And it's, it's, I say that like if I'm being honest with myself because it's definitely one of his lighter, fluffier type, you know, pieces of work. Um, and uh, like a Shakespeare purist would be like, oh, Midsummer. But for me, it's, it was, uh, it was a show I, I love seeing. I love different interpretations of. I, I love performing in when I was in college. Um, so it's just, I, I always hold that one near and dear to my heart. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. I love it. Fantastic. And the next, the last Shakespeare question I have for you, I promise. Um, I love collecting movies about sales and mm. uh, identifying movies that are, that, that I consider good movies about sales. I would love to sound really smart and be able to put Shakespeare. Is there a play that is, uh, you could say is about sales? I'll start to wow. Now. <laughs> um, so this is what I'll say. Um, I'll say that that almost all Shakespearean tragedies specifically are about about um, messaging and communication. And it is so true. I didn't <laughs> study Shakespeare. We said we had to study it in certain parts of school. Right. But you are so true. That is just so correct. Yeah. So if I said Hamlet, nobody could call me out on it and I'd look really smart, right? Yeah, I mean, like, but I was just thinking, like, Macbeth is such a good one. It's, like, so twisted. And it sounds smarter, too. You're right. It, yes. <laughs> um, and, like, and, and you think about kind of, like, audience segmentation and messaging. It's, yeah, it, it, it works. But I, I do think you could probably take any Shakespearean tragedy and, and, uh, and, and break it and down. I, I think yeah. you've got a content line here. Jen, could, uh, you could if, just put if we had really done that you were going to be so Shakespearean, we would have like practiced how to communicate in Shakespearean today for thou. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, you're going to give me like PTSD from like a, 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 a final I took, a final I took in college. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, it's been a little while. I've been, I've been, I've been off, probably a little off my, off my game. I honest. see you have playbills on the wall behind you. So don't... I do, but it's not Shakespeare. But... <laughs> All right. So, look, moving on. You're off the hot seat on, on Shakespeare. Now. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's move on to sales enablement. I can't believe we're almost, we're almost halfway through here. <laughs> um, let's give a dusting of sales enablement before we, before we go to the break. Um, I guess first, just for the listeners, not everybody, it's kind of in the name, but let me give a definition for everybody of sales enablement. It is the uh, process of providing the sales organization with the information, content, and tools that help salespeople sell more effectively. So just as it sounds, sales enablement. Um, and says the foundation of sales enablement is to provide salespeople with what they need to successfully engage the buyer throughout the buying process. So I guess uh, feeding on top of that, Jen, if you could choose with a sales team to have marketing do one of two things only, direct sales enablement or marketing, traditional outbound, uh, outbound inbound style marketing uh, for lead generation, which do you think is is more powerful? Which would you prefer as a sales organization? Oh man, um, I just don't I just don't see them being separated. So I guess when I think about demand generation, which is what we, yeah. we mainly you know do in do in marketing, um, we're supporting a, a potential customer all along all throughout their buyer journey, right? And there's a point in that buyer journey when a live salesperson in many organizations is going to get involved. Now, in some companies, there's no live salesperson, right? It's, you know, you just can buy online and, and engage and it's completely self-serve. Um, but for consultative sales processes where you have to have a, a human being that's gonna engage, that buyer is still on their buyer's journey. And so marketing's work is not done. So, so I don't see demand generation being all about just getting the lead, getting someone to come to your website and fill out a form and then that's it. And then, and then your work is done. So I, I think that's, that's the biggest challenge that I see is when I look at marketers who they, they have their goals that they're held accountable to by their, by their executives are 
our website, you know, website visitors and leads generated and that's it. And there's, and it's not tied back to actual closed business because you're losing sight of that second half of the buyer journey that, that, that future customer is going to be on. So there's not, there's not one or the other. It's, it's, it's both, it's both together. 100%. It was kind of a silly question. Like Definitely. <laughs> top half of your body or the bottom half of your body? You got to choose one. You can only have half your body. Mm, uh, <laughs> you kind of need. It's a really a silly body. question, though. I mean, she's an educator, right? So yeah, oh, it bears repeating. It's a good point. There are no dumb questions. Only no. people, and I was the dumb person this time. Okay, so the sales enablement. You've got the lead generated already. Mm -hmm. We'll just take all that for granted. The form filled, the inbound, whatever it is. And now the salesperson has this lead. They're starting to pursue it. And we're talking about the marketer being there as an assistant to them almost, to helping along the process, making sure they have the right creative, making sure the right um, maybe follow-ups are sent around, that basically that the, con the proper content, is that the majority of the process is, is creating, identifying, providing the content at the right times? So that's definitely where a lot of people start. Um, but I'll argue that the that sales enablement actually starts before the campaign is ever launched. So um, so there's there's kind of a, a practice or like a protocol that we go through with our own organization around, you know, how do we prepare sales for a campaign launch? Um, and and so that communication needs to happen a lot earlier than than when it is happening. It's less about, mm. you know, uh, yes, does your sales team need, are, will your sales team need certain resources at the consideration or decision stage? Are they going to need things like different templates, talking points, um, ROI calculators, case studies? Yes, that's, that's all, those are all pieces of content that are likely going to be relevant to a buyer persona in that decision stage of the buyer journey. But that's not where sales enablement starts. Sales enablement starts before the campaign is launched. Um, and it, it begins with an understanding from marketing leadership that information needs to be delivered in multiple mediums, multiple times, that not all individuals like to consume information in the same way. And, you know, some like to learn when they, some are more effective when they've got everything in writing, some want a discussion. Um, and so you need to take a really good look at how you're communicating your marketing campaign efforts with your sales team and make sure that you're, um, that you're meeting the needs of all of your sales reps. Interesting. So it's, it may be sales enablement, but it's pre the marketing even happening. It's before, it really starts before the lead is even generated. Yes. All right. So is it cheating? I mean, are you, are you wrapping all of marketing in sales enablement? What's left, what's left out? Are you saying everything marketing does is sales enablement back to my point of marketing works for sales? Um, I mean, yes. And, yeah. <laughs> are you trying to absorb maybe, marketing? Come on, Jen. <laughs> maybe. No. I mean, listen, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a marketer at heart who, uh, who converted into, into being a salesperson. So um, typically when I see a sales leader running, like running marketing or owning marketing, it makes my stomach, you know, turn a little bit. Um, but the other way around doesn't bother me as much because, because <laughs> that's how I work. Um, but I mean, I, I think it's, what is, the, what is our purpose, right? It's like, why does a company exist? So you, a company has kind of mission, vision, and goals, and everything that you do in that organization is going to kind of, you're going to roll, you're going to roll back and look at how are we working to achieve those goals. So um, usually businesses are in business to make money, right? To kind of, to grow. Um, usually. Goals, right? <laughs> Typically, right? Um, Except I mean, for I like guess, nonprofit theater companies. Right, right. <laughs> so then there's, there's other kind of other, other mission statements and, and things, but you know, I'm guessing for your, your listeners, they're, they're working at a company that, that has a goal of, of making money and being successful. Um, and so you need sales in order for that to happen. And so that's why, Whoever's building product needs to understand needs to you know understand what's what the customer is looking for what they're needing um, your customer success or customer service teams need to be able to support that customer marketing's you know marketing's no different. All right, can you before we go to break? Can you list off some of the do's some of the things marketing needs to be doing for sales? Three to five do's. Sure, sure. So let me walk through with the context of like what 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 we would do. So the first thing is. Um, having a meeting ideally or recording a video to cover a campaign overview. So, all right, like 
This is a campaign focused on this particular vertical. It's launching on this date. There are four different premium content pieces that are part of this campaign. Here they are. So you have them ahead of time. And um, and and th this is this is what this is going to this is going to entail. Um, there's going to be a promotional email. There's going to be a workflow that is six emails in length, and then we're going to have this assortment of social media posts that are going to be used to drive engagement. And so providing that to sales all ahead of time as marketers, you already have it. So share it, um, share it in writing, and then share it also uh, kind of kind of verbally um, and walk through. Give them, give them the high level of what is in each piece of content when you're talking about some of the premium things like ebooks or case studies, white papers, anything like that. Um, don't expect your sales team to read it all. I know that sounds horrible and like the teacher in No, me, but it's like, so true. That's reality, yeah. The re it's reality, right? They really right? do have a short attention span on that. Yes, it's true. And until you as a market, until you've actually lived the life of a salesperson, you do not have empathy. You do not know what goes, what goes into their day to day. And it, you need to make it easier for them. It's not that just that it's not that they're lazy. It's that they have other demands that are put on them. And well, I think they, salespeople are really good at prioritizing. They're not lazy. They just say, this is not my top priority. There's too many paragraphs of text here. I'll read the first paragraph get the general idea and move on. I hope there isn't a whole bunch of info you buried way down in this two page document. I have important sales closing activities I need to be doing. And in right. they get everything else out of the way to, to where it becomes a priority again. Sorry, they are constantly prioritizing. That's their job. It's probably one of the number one sales steps yep. to say, I've got 10 people, which one can I call right now? Exactly. And they have their outflow numbers to get up and yeah. Yeah. There's a Do lot. You recommend like, um, a certain way to give it to them to digest a particular time, like make it, cause they're very structured. They're very structured folks while they're not so structured. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, this sounds generic, but like every organization is going to be different, right? So as an example of what we do internally is we have, um, uh, once a month, we have at the beginning of the month, a sales and marketing team meeting and marketing says, okay, here's the major campaigns we're running this month. And this is what you should be looking out for. But then that's also then shared in writing. So they have it both like the visual audio that they were able to ask questions on. And then they also have, have that piece kind of in writing that they can reference back later. Um, and then what I also do is in my weekly pipeline review meetings when I, with my sales team, I dedicate the first part of the meeting is dedicated to like any operations changes, training, like things like I need to get on the team about doing. Um, and then the second bullet is all marketing. Like this is what's happening in marketing this week. So I make it a point as a sales leader in my organization to not just rely on mark, like just not rely on marketing to provide that, provide that they already have, but I want to, um, I want to make sure that it stays top of mind with, with my sales team. Right. Reinforce um, it repetitive. So yep. the last thing you want is somebody getting directly to a salesperson, talking to them about something that marketing put out and the salesperson not knowing what they're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm the sure other, a lot of people listening have had that exact thing happen to them. So yeah. um, this guy said there was half off on something. What's he talking about? Or, and they say, Oh yeah, that campaign we ran yesterday. Um, yep. So if you give them like the top, let's say like three or four bullets um, that are covered in a particular piece of content. And then you also share who this is being like who we're targeting with this content. Right. So hopefully you're not just blasting out a message to like everybody. Hopefully you're segmenting your database as a marketer and you're saying, all right, like, um, like as an example, we sent out this like a campaign we did for the SaaS vertical. We were targeting our persona of director of demand generation, Ashley. So we then provide a refresher. Okay, just a refresher. Here are the things that Ashley is responsible for. So these are the pains, and this is specifically how this piece of content is is aiming to address those those pains. Um, and then as a reminder, here's our full persona research if you so desire to like dig back into it, but, but also kind of reinforcing that persona research that, that we've, uh, that we've given. Um, and then as a marketing team also say like, Hey, what's the goal, right? So two goals, like one is to nurture leads, um, with this vertical specific content. And the second goal is to, um, is to get, uh, those marketing qualified leads to actually schedule a consultation. So to kind of like book, book that sales call. So we're really it's transparent. It seems almost like the um, 
you know, the marketing team is working like the coach and the salespeople are the players or the marketing team is the teacher and the salespeople are the actors in the play, if you will. Like you're, you're there to provide all the support, to guide them, to coach them, to give them all the information they need to, to know what to do and so they can go and execute. You, you have to fill up. Yeah, all one's the director and one are the actors, right? right? Yep, yep, absolutely. And, 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 you know, even things as simple as just letting marketing, like letting sales know, okay, this is going to go out. This campaign's going to launch at 2 p.m. in the prospect's time zone right? Or at 8 a.m. or whatever the time is telling them, because then what's, what sales leadership can do is say to their sales reps, all right, I want you to block out this 30 minute block or an hour block um, after this time, because that's when people are going to be clicking. They're going to be engaged. Um, you know, they're, they're going to receive the email. They'll click to learn more about it. And then they might end up exploring other parts of the website. And that is the prime time for a, an SDR, let's say, to actually pick up the phone and reach somebody who's actively engaged with, with the content on the site. It's not going to be helpful for them to reach out the next day, three days later, a week later. In the moment, they're going to get the highest conversion. But So they can know how to adjust what they're doing that day based on, because they know what the marketing campaign is doing. Exactly. Planning, planning things out, scheduling it out, leveraging marketing automation technology that's going to alert you when your leads are, are on a, a certain page. Uh, we have that power at our fingertips, um, but we, you know, we need to have the information of what marketing is doing so that we can actually use it and be, be, a, be up to date on that launch schedule. Fantastic. Uh, I want to jump off to a quick break right now. Uh, we will be right back. We're talking with Jen Spencer. She is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing over at Smartbug Media. And you're listening to the If You Market podcast. Hi, I'm Christina Jaramillo, president of Personal ABM and partner at Stop the Sales Drop. I recently completed an If You Market podcast interview on how companies can create a greater connection with the accounts they want to win, protect, and expand during this time when companies are scaling back investments and holding onto cash. As the actions you take today will determine your market position when businesses begin to normalize, I want to invite everyone to go to StopTheSalesDrop.com and register for our free C19 recovery training which will include a panel on evolving ABM. Again, go to stopthesalesdrop.com. Welcome back to the Ify Market Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. I've got co-host Carla Jo Helms and our guest, Jen Spencer, here with us today of Smartbug Media. We're talking about sales enablement as well as a little Shakespeare and uh, other fun stuff. Uh, mostly sales enablement, though. Jen, getting back into it, we've got a couple things here. That, uh, that you've laid out, the campaign overview, content in general that Martha needs to provide for sales. Can you throw a couple more things at us uh, throughout the process that, that marketing is going to be providing specifically? Sure. My, the thing I, I highly recommend, um, and it's very likely that you're marketing to and you're selling to a variety of persona types. Um, so there, there might be like a, a buying committee of sorts uh, where you might have uh, very different types of people with different goals and intentions and challenges that are part of that buying process. So I recommend little like battle cards, something easy for marketing to create. Um, so when you are promoting a piece of content, a campaign, um, maybe that can't, maybe that content could speak to, mo to multiple different types of people. So provide your sales team with a battle card of which talking points are going to make the most sense based off of who they are. So if they're, let's say the CFO persona, then here are the three main talking points um, bullet points that you're going to want to mention on, you know, in your phone calls or in your emails that you send to them. As Do you call those battle cards? Battle cards, battle, battle uh, card. Is that I, like the sales and marketing version of Pokemon or something? I'm just picturing sales and marketing. <laughs> uh, I've got I, a plus one salesperson here. Battle card. I don't know. I've always <laughs> just like, I just heard it. I, I, I love it. Battle cards. I think it's I, like, well, a, you know, we say battle plans, you know, I've got my battle plans yeah. for the next day, things like that. So battle cards. Interesting. It's, I'm going to just, that. it's just a cheat sheet, right? Like it's not helpful for a sales rep to have like a hundred page document of all of like no, the pains right. and challenges. So it's just a really quick guide. And then that way the sales team can actually arrange their, and if you're tracking like by persona or, you know, them, then they can or make the arrangements with their time and go, all right, for the next 20 minutes, I'm just going to um, 
perform some outreach to people who are this type of persona. And then I've got my battle card of here are the talking points, here are their pains, here's how we help them. And so you've got that message that you can that you can go through kind of one after another versus jumping around. And now you're talking to a CFO, and now you're talking to a CMO, and now you're talking to you know an executive assistant. Um, and it's it's going to be much more efficient for the sales team if they're able to organize their um, their their folks in, in that way. And that goes back to marketing, setting up the right marketing automation questions, having the right infrastructure, passing over the most appropriate data from marketing automation into the CRM where sales is living um, so that they can, they can be more effective and be more efficient as they're, as they're going throughout their day. Right. You don't want to um, give information to the salesperson that has them pitching the, the marketing assistant or the, the assistant on you know, how it's going to benefit their, their efficiency within the department or something like that, that maybe it's the higher level people that are more interested in eliminating employee waste or, or saving time or something like that. Right. I think like a lot of people sell a product that, or, you know, product or service that alleviates a major pain that an individual is having, but that individual doesn't necessarily have like buying purchasing authority. And so what's the bigger business case? And so the, the bullet points you're going to provide your the sales team are going to be different based off of, you know, who that persona is. And I think this is where marketing and sales leadership need to collaborate together. This isn't I don't want to make it sound like, hey, marketing, it's all on you to make this happen. It's just the fact of the matter is marketing has the data. Marketing has the data. Marketing has the research. Marketing has control over the campaigns that they're launching. And, um, and so because of that, that's why marketing needs to be very, very much involved in any sales enablement activities that are happening with sales. So in the enablement sphere, you say marketing has the data. Is it part of marketing's job to say, okay, you've got this lead with this one person. Here's five other people surrounding them that may be involved. Um, is, is that something that marketing should be providing? Um, I mean, maybe if you're running, if you're running like an account-based marketing strategy, then, then yeah, I mean, I think that's something that marketing and sales is going to collaborate on that revenue team is going to collaborate on together. Um, but, uh, but, but no, I mean, are, is, is marketing responsible for, uh, identifying every little last person that's going to be part of the buying process? No, that's, that's sales. That's, that's a sales representative's job. Right. Um, but we're talking about before you even have an opportunity to get some, you know, to engage with somebody as a, as a sales rep or during the process of, of that engagement and you're uncovering pains, what are you going to be sharing with them? What messages are you going to use? What pieces of social proof do you have at your fingertips to, to support them? The, the sales team is going to be turning to marketing for that. You never want to have your sales team in a position where they're scraping the internet, trying to find something to give to, to, to a prospect. They should, there should be one source of truth provided by marketing for that. Right. Right. So right. is, is, um, is marketing telling sales, here's what you, here's the campaign, here's what you need, or is sales telling marketing or like marketing saying, here's the campaign and sales saying, here's what we need, or is it a combination of the two? It's, yeah. You're just reading my mind. I think it's a combo. It is a combo in our organization for sure. It's definitely a combination. It's definitely a combination. So, you know, as an example, like I, like I mentioned, like we had our, our, our November, uh, like sales marketing kind of kickoff call today and um, marketing said, all right, this is the campaign we're launching in November. And this is, this is, here are all of the elements and here's who we're targeting. And this is what we're going to do to prepare, you know, this is what we're going to provide you with so that you're prepared, uh, for, for this, these engagements. Um, and then on the sales side, sales said, all right, great. Okay. Here's what we're hearing on calls. Um, and, and there was actually like a campaign idea that came up on our call today. Um, like this is something that is coming up on time and time again. We don't seem to have a really good, like solid response for, we don't have the right resources. There's a, a little bit kind of piecemeal and we need something more collaborative. And then, um, about an hour later, I saw in our, in our like shared chat that, marketing was running with it. And uh, it's something that we're going to be, we're going to be launching in January. So just getting that feedback and being able to act quickly. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what that entire team needs to be doing. But if you're not communicating and collaborating on a regular basis and being open to those conversations, then that's never going to happen. So it's not yeah. all Steve Jobs or Henry Ford and it's not all Subway. It's like those two are working at Subway and half the time they're telling you, <laughs> Here's the sandwich you want. To What's Subway have to do with it? <laughs> yeah, they, they, 
I don't know. I've got a beef with Subway. I kind of like to go into a place and say, yes, give me a turkey sandwich. And they're like, I'm sorry, you need to make 50 other decisions on exactly what goes on and how. <laughs> you guys make sandwiches, right? You know sandwiches better than me. Give me a turkey sandwich. And they're like, so did Jimmy Don. Yeah, we got a three-page document you got to fill out here to get a sandwich. <laughs> Ford was there. He would just be soup Naziing me and say, here's your sandwich. Now go. No, uh, that is not the proper way to do the sandwich. Um, so it's some merger of those two things, basically, where sometimes sales is saying, here's what we need. But generally, it sounds like first marketing is providing them. Here's your stuff. And sales may come back with feedback and say, oh, we need this. We need that also. Yeah. So assuming that sales was part of the original persona um, process, they were originally uh, involved as, you know, if you're a new marketer in an organization kind of coming in, hopefully you're not, you're not building your strategy in a vacuum, right? So you're going to rely on data. You're going to be hopefully listening to call recordings. You're going to be like doing kind of quote ride-alongs or shadowing sales, um, sitting in uh, sales conversations with prospects sitting on um, customer success team uh, conversations with existing customers. So you're going to be doing that as part of your research. So it's not like, again, like it's not like marketing's coming up with these campaign ideas in a vacuum. They should be, they should be rooted in some kind of, uh, of, 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 of data or some kind of research that sales has been a contributor, uh, contributor to. And that's where having that meeting with them together is, is so important. They can uh, push things back and forth kind of. On a regular basis. I mean, we do them again, like what's once a month, it's 30 minutes. Um, and it's, it's, it's not like overly time consuming, but it's just getting everyone uh, in the same quote room together. We're a hundred percent fully remote organization. So we're totally virtual. So we all hop on a zoom, a zoom chat, um, and, uh, and, and just use the time wisely and get some stuff done. It's almost like every company should have somebody in their, in their company that has sales and marketing in their title. Almost like that. Almost like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, listen, it, it, it could be, it could be challenging. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, you're seeing a big movement of organizations really focusing on revenue operations and even like the role of customer, that customer success plays, especially for software companies. Um, and, or anyone who sells, so sells any kind of recurring type of revenue product or service, um, that, that alignment's really, really critical. So we, you, depending on the size of your organization, it may not be, you know, it may not be possible to get everybody all together at once, but making sure you've got the right representatives from all of those parties is going to be key because ultimately if you're not, if you're, if you're not attracting the right type of customer, if your message isn't resonating, if they're not actually buying from you, then no one's successful. Right. Then you get the classic sales and marketing fight of marketing saying, Hey, look, we're generating all these leads and sales saying they're all garbage. And then you, you just get all this infighting and office politics and, and things go pretty ugly from there. Yep, absolutely. So you've given us some do's and there is a mm-hmm. side to those that, that makes them don't, you know, do have the meeting together, which means don't not have the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> but are there some other specific uh, things to, to watch out for, to not do? When it and comes- is there a number one don't? Yeah, what's the, what's the top thing that people get wrong with sales enablement? Um, I think that the top thing uh, would be not doing your homework. So, I mean, you just, it's, it's make sure you're not just uh, uh, writing, messaging, selling in a vacuum. Um, This is something that I think plagues a lot of earlier stage companies um, where you've got like a CEO founder who's very, very passionate about their business and um, they think, they know better than anybody else. Um, and they have a really clear picture of, of, of the problem that they solve. You really have to focus on what you have to focus on your, those, those buyer personas. Um, so, so even if you have, even if all of your lead, you're not, you're not using marketing to, for demand generation. Even if you have just people like coming right to your door, um, just falling over themselves to, to, to get to you. Right. Um, I think a lot of founders expect as soon as they see a demo of our product, they're going to want to buy. They're going to see how amazing it is. And that's just not the case. It just doesn't happen. No, it's not the case. I mean, I worked for a few companies. I haven't ever seen that. I've worked with plenty of people who think that that's the way it should be. Um, It's just not not possible, right? It doesn't happen. Um, I think for that, for that person, when they find the buyer that is the same as them, it happens. Mm. Because what I've seen in seeing a lot of those, those personas with the, the CEO founder 
is what they don't seem to recognize frequently is that everybody else is the same as them. In fact, most people are nothing like them. It's why they're a CEO founder, which is a rare thing. And they're probably more driven than most people. They're right. probably more intelligent than most people are. And they're sitting here saying, what are all these people dumb? How come they're not lining up to buy my product? This thing is amazing. It's, 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 there's nothing wrong with the product. There's nothing wrong with it. It's them. Why aren't they? And they don't realize not everybody is you know, the best person in the room. Not everybody is them. They're really making it for the buyer persona of them, which is a really rare breed. So you're mm-hmm. missing most people and just not wanting to believe that other people are different and you actually have to cater to them, not mm-hmm. try to bend them to your own will. Right. Unless you are Henry Ford with the automobile or Steve Jobs with the iPhone, it's really hard to bend people to the will of your product because usually your product isn't that groundbreaking and amazing. It's right. slight advantage or some slight benefit or value. Um, it, it, you know, it's not the invention of the automobile. Right. So really like every don't I could possibly think of goes back to just don't fail to do that homework, right? Um, and then the other, the other don't um, from a marketing perspective is, you know, don't, don't launch, don't, don't launch anything, any marketing campaign or any um, sales enablement type of resource without consulting your sales counterpart. So make them part of your regular, um, your regular communication, uh, you know, plan. You should be talking on a regular basis. Ideally, you're even friends. Ideally, you're, it's somebody who you want to hang out with, um, that you want to grab. It's, it's not that big of a deal to grab coffee with, um, and, or to maybe like have lunch, you know, every once in a while with, uh, I think the more you kind of can go, all right, like we are both, we are two humans. Um, we are both after the exact same goal. Right? You're making it sound like they hate each other or something. You well, guys can't be in the same room without fighting, you know. <laughs> it, it's it's you know you it's easy to forget that hey this is a person right and it's easy to point fingers and like place blame when you're not kind of breathing the same air as somebody and understanding like what's going on in in their world. Salespeople um, are humans too. Yes, yes, <laughs> salespeople are humans too. So it, it's just good to have have that have that ongoing kind of. Well, number two is really a subset of number one there as far as you don't, because, you know, you don't want to be in a silo, right, when you're launching a campaign. And when you say, you know, get feedback and so forth, I mean, various ways to do that, right? You can listen to sales calls about what's happening. You can get the common objections, buttons, problems, Mm -hmm. ruins, things that are coming up. Talk to the salespeople. What's the number, you know, what are the top three questions you have to answer, Right. Um, different personas, some of them like dealing with certain people, who's good at what, you know, what the handlings are. Those are all, those are all parts of that do tip along with the don't tip, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jen, what do you think about merging the sales and marketing floors? I mean, people say, hey, they need to talk, they need to communicate. Why not having them sit at the same desks? Why not having them actual integrating? Or, you know, you have a desk and you have uh, like a, like a, partners in, in a police department, you have a salesperson and a marketing person sitting at the same desk together. Um, good idea, bad idea? Um, I, yeah, I, I guess there's probably good, good and bad, right? Pro, pros and cons. Um, I'm, you know, we're in a, I'm in a totally virtual environment. Um, and so it's interesting. We have, um, we have some different uh, like chat channels that we use internally. And we've got one just for sales, but we're talking just about like deal-based business and things that are only relevant to sales. And marketing has the same thing. That's just very much focused on like the nitty gritty of marketing. And then we have our sales and marketing channel. And so, you know, trying to kind of use that. So I think that's the way we sort of like break those barriers and say, all right, like let's all, all sit at the same table. Um, the other factor is, you know, I'm as, as the leader of both teams, like I'm in both of those. And then I also have our BD are in both of them as well because that BDR role really is straddling sales and marketing. Um, I consider the BDR or the SDR to be the human layer in the marketing campaign. So, so but they're but they're also like handing things off, collaborating very closely with with their, their sales right. reps. The human so layer, they, also the sales layer, basically they are that. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so I think it's it's. You need to find those way, those ways and places and spaces um, for for that collaboration, and whether that's kind of like be, sitting at that same table together, or having the right chat channels, or you know whatever it is, because there's so many different uh, iterations of like business spaces uh, these days. But no, I think it, I think it's smart for sure. 
Okay. Um, let's see here. Sales enablement. There's a lot of MarTech out there. There's a lot of sales technology out there. Has it been, has it been changing much? Do you foresee a lot of change? Is this making it easier, more difficult? I mean, I guess if I'm to make this an answerable question, where do you see sales enablement going in, in the future versus where, where it is now or where it's been in the past? And how many MarTech apps should you actually be using? I mean, oh, what's the, man. you know, I mean, there could be a thousand, right? But how many do you really need for sales enablement? Well, I, so I would say on, on the, the MarTech side of things, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of um, consolidation and a big slowdown, at least from, our, from an agency perspective, a big slowdown in purchasing that's happening. Um, and, and I think organizations are really like really trying to look at, okay, am I getting the ROI out of this tech? And unfortunately, most people are not actually using the, the majority of the technology that they actually have. So there's probably, you know, a, a lot of power that's in, let's say, the marketing automation platform you have that you didn't even realize, that, you know, was there. I even, I, a friend of mine, I, he tweeted something uh, last, you know, a couple days ago, actually, uh, just asking about, uh, about like how someone's using, doing, executing a certain kind of task. And I happen to know what his tech stack is. And so I told him, you actually already have this. You already own something that solves this problem. And he had no idea. So most people are operating at these, you know, in a place where they don't even, they don't even realize like they're not using the extent of the tech that they have. That's hilarious. There's a lot of tools out there, even successful ones that do things that already exist in the Microsoft suite of stuff. Microsoft just doesn't bother to promote it because it's not the main function. Right. Yeah, if you want an auto response to your email, you can set up rules in Outlook. It's there. There's all kinds of stuff that you can buy a whole thing to, to you know, to do dictation. Um, but you can also just do that in Microsoft Word. You yeah, have Word True. document to you. You can read to it and have it write the document. Like there's so many tools that are built into these large platforms that somebody was probably proud of at one point, but then they just they do so much they get buried. Absolutely. Absolutely. New so. marketing automation too. People don't realize how much is there and how they don't need to add five more tools. Like how many chat apps do you need? Pretty much right. everything out there can enable you to chat is, do you really need to pay for this one and this one and this channel and that channel? Like, Oh, but these guys like using this channel and these guys like using that one. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure office 365 has a chat function app built into it. We still use Slack here. Is that yeah. necessary? Probably not. Probably not. We should probably just use the one in the tool that we have that's in this all in the same place, fully integrated. For some reason, we like shiny new things. It's well, and Slack's fun. <laughs> it's fun to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say for Microsoft though, is does Slack do anything that their that their chat system doesn't do? We don't know. And it's uh, again, it's not for a lack of features or something like that. This is marketing yeah they, yeah they just haven't marketed in slack that's all they market so you get yeah. things that do one feature and one function because that's all they market you know about it when like you said there's all these things these tools do that that we just don't even know we don't yep. realize they're they're buried because it's not the primary function yay anyway yeah <laughs> um let's see i've got a couple more questions for you we are we are running out of time I guess um, a personal question for you. If you sure. could be better at one part of your job, what would it be? If I could be better at one part of my job? Yeah. Oh, um, uh, recruiting. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, you know, people ask me like, ah, like what's the thing that stresses you out the most that keeps you up at night? It's, it's recruiting. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard because if you do, if you don't hire the right person, it's so costly. Um, and, uh, it can be so, so trying. And so I, I want, I, yeah, I would love to feel more confident in my ability to recruit. If you're sure. really good at hiring, you don't have to be good at anything else. You can just hire somebody to do it. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So I, as someone who's like, I've always leaned on just like, I'll just do it myself. Right. Like I can just yeah. get it, get it done. Um, I, 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 I need to be better about, uh, delegation yeah. is a superpower but if you have somebody that can do the job to get delegate too so i guess you have to be able to identify and delegate. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I have an amazing team at Smartbox. So I don't want it to just sound like I, like I don't have an amazing, amazing team, but it is the thing that stresses me out the most for sure. Yeah. Is it, is it like recruiting or is it actually finding the right person? I, I guess. I mean, and are you looking, are you looking for this for marketing or sales? Because I, you know, there's so many things going on in marketing. It's like, are you hiring the right person for the right thing, right? Nobody can be, you know, the jack of all trades, right? right. What, what can they be, you know, the jack of, I would say, that's, you know, really beneficial and as many as possible? I don't know. What, what is it? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's, yeah, you want to make sure you're actually, like, advertising the, the job effectively, right? So there's that whole, like, the, the inbound recruiting part of it. Um, and then, and for me, it's just like when I have the candidates that I, I've got to evaluate, um, that I'm making the right call based off of their, like their ability to be successful in the role, um, that, that they're going to have, because even right. if they, someone comes to us with like 20 years experience doing pretty much the same thing, they've never done it for us. They've never done it for our company. Right. And so just, just because they've been successful in the past somewhere else, doesn't mean necessarily they're going to be successful here. So. And you guys are fully remote. You get somebody who doesn't work well that way and they may be amazing, but not in your system. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that kind of cultural alignment is, is, is so, is so important. And, um, you don't have a long time, you know, you don't have a lot of time to, 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 to identify like if someone's going to be the, the best fit. Right. But it's, it's one of the most important, um, decisions that I make on a regular basis. And then one last question before we wrap it up, you've mentioned, um, or, or we've mentioned MarTex and, and whatnot. Do you have some favorite uh, texts when it comes to CRM? I think we've already mentioned Slack. It sounds like you're on the, on the Slack uh, wagon. Um, what are your favorite MarTex sales texts? Um, well, so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of HubSpot, like all across the entire, the entire platform. So, uh, marketing automation sales and like even, and their new service hub. Um, so I'm a huge, huge HubSpot fan. Um, I just feel like I can breathe in it. I love it so much. Um, it gives me a lot of power, uh, especially if I've ever had like a small team and, um, it's just been really fantastic. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Vidyard, uh, is one of my, in my go-to for one-to-one -one videos, but then also video hosting from a marketing perspective and, 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 and analytics. Um, so those are, those are, those are two of, uh, of, of my faves. That's your number one go-to. Oh, HubSpot. Okay. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. They just yeah. added something very cool recently. I, I can't remember what it was, but I saw Scott Brinker. Uh, PySync. LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 They acquired PySync. So um, mm. it's going to enable, enable a lot of organizations to integrate a lot faster uh, with other systems, um, which helps HubSpot uh, really like lean into this idea of being a platform company. So it's exciting. I love it. Fantastic. All right. Well, um, it's been a, a great, great, uh, doesn't even make sense to say it's been a great time. <laughs> that is having you on the show here. Um, again, just for everybody listening, we're speaking with Jen Spencer. She's the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Smartbug Media. Um, and again, Smartbug Media, can you give me a, just kind of a concise what you guys do out there, inbound marketing for B2B? Is that, uh, would that be accurate? Um, our, our clients are B2B and B2C, but uh, inbound marketing for, uh, for organizations that are looking to grow revenue and, uh, and, Need to, they have a more of a consultative type of sales process where a buyer is navigating that journey and they need to be educated and supported along that journey. That's, that's the ideal uh, type of client for us. Fantastic. People can find them at uh, smartbugmedia.com and then Jen, uh, Jen Spencer on LinkedIn. Anywhere else you'd like people to, to be able to find you, reach out to you? I want her yeah. to tell us about her micro blog. I mean, her micro oh, podcast. Oh, yes. You guys have a podcast. I'm sorry. We do. We do. Yeah, micro so one, which I would like. LinkedIn, um, also Twitter, uh, Jen Spencer. I'm pretty active there as well. But yeah, we have a uh, micro podcast called uh, Smart Bug on Tap. So it's a weekly podcast. Episodes are like usually between like four minutes up to maybe eight or 10 minutes long and very, very tactical, um, mostly demand generation marketing type advice uh, from the, the mind hive here at SmartBug. So if you're listening to this podcast and you think, wow, this is way too long. What's uh, <laughs> SmartBug on tap? This is like six of her micro podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, smart bug on top. If you just want to, you just want to consume kind of like you, one skill, you want to learn one thing. Um, uh, it's 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 the right podcast for you. 
Excellent, excellent. And then uh, we'll have all this information on the show notes as well and uh, more information on Jen Spencer. Uh, that's ifyoumarket.com. That's where you can find the, the show notes. Uh, please, uh, as always, we ask you to share us on social media, tell a friend, and or give us a good review on iTunes. One out of three is, uh, is all we ask for. Uh, so on behalf of Carla Jo Helms and the Ify Market team and Jen Spencer of Smartbug Media, thank you for listening to the Ify Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it, I guess I'll add, if you market the shit out of it with sales enablement, they will come. Is your data company ignoring and gouging you or gouging and ignoring you? Those are the main reasons our customers move from the previous list provider, Mountaintop Data's top data search platform. What's Top Data Search? Well, with Top Data Search, you can search our database of 20 million plus business contacts and download lists with complete contact information. It's a convenient tool for both sales and marketing departments to get accurate lists. It's free to have an account. There's no annual contracts, no seat fees. Top Data Search is just easy access to accurate data. And when you reach out to us with questions, we actually give you answers. Visit topdatasearch.com and sign up for a free account with the coupon code IYM300 and get 300 free credits. Or if you're just curious, go to topdatasearch.com and run some searches on our open search tool, no account needed, by clicking the search now button. That's at topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.